Hi, I'm Gary David. And I'm Adam Gamwell. Welcome to Experience by Design, the podcast where we explore experience designs of all kinds. Now, during the pandemic, people have been trying to find ways to fill their time. And they've been doing this by often pursuing hobbies that they've always wanted to pursue, but never had the time to do so. One such hobby, speaking personally for me, is learning how to play guitar. I've always wanted to play guitar, never got around to it, never found the time. But during the pandemic, I found myself with some time and I needed a productive way of filling it. So guitar was it. And not having a teacher, I was stuck with, well, how do I learn how to play guitar? Well, there's a lot of online guitar instruction out there. And I was able to find one really good guitar instructor that I thought would be perfect for the podcast. And so who better to talk about teaching guitar online as well as designing online learning experiences than Justin Sanderco. Justin is one of the top 10 YouTubers in the United Kingdom through his online guitar instruction forum, justinguitar.com. Justin's site has had triple the traffic during the lockdown with people of all kinds from all over the world trying to fulfill their guitar dreams. Yeah, and that's one of the, the coolest things I think is that we are seeing this like top YouTuber from the UK actually being one of the top guitar teachers now in the world too. Uh, and so, yeah, we're super thankful and, and excited to have Justin speak with us. And during our conversation, we dug into this experience of creating engaging online learning experience, something that Gary and I both care about as educators, as well as what it means to teach guitar to students of all levels, not just experts, not just beginners, but how do we talk to everybody from expert to beginner and in between. And also, interestingly, we talk about the blanket that often shows up in his videos, if you start watching, as a transitional object, and now has become a key feature of his brand. We also dig into the idea of how do you have a beginner's mind as a teacher? And this is such an important idea of walking in and not having what we would talk about as jargon or language that's hard for beginners to understand, and how to think about how would a new student approach this space. We also learned this interesting idea about how learning left-handed guitar and teaching left-handed guitar gives Justin greater empathy for beginners. Now, he's a right-handed guitar player, and he has since flipped over and started playing his left hand to show both left-handed players how to play, which is good for folks like myself, as well as then what does it mean mm -hmm. to open the mind up in an empathetic way. So it's super interesting. So left-handed people of the world unite. Listen to Justin Sanderco talk about his journey to becoming the online guitar teacher in the world. And we hope you enjoy our chat. Of UX redesign for my site. So we're doing, we're setting up the Google tracking funnels and we're using Hotjar. And uh, we've got all of these different things that analyzing the design thing and a bunch of these optimizely uh, web things that are going to be to test like different colors. Like, does it make a difference if the header of Just a Guitar is blue or yellow or green or whatever? And then right, start right. to refine what it is that, you know, if there's more menu items or less, what's better for the, you know. So, yeah, we're about to hit that. Well, it's, well, yeah, it's in a, that's an interesting question. With the, the color, I mean, I was actually watching one of your videos, one of your interviews this morning. Um, this is from, I think, 2018 with the North American Guitar Center. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Doing my, doing my research. 
And one of the points that was brought up was you talked about redesigning the beginner's course and the person who was talking to you said, oh no, not the beginner's course. I mean, given how, given how used people are to you and the website, what's the risk, right? Of making any radical changes in terms of what they've come to know and then creating this kind of cognitive, you know, break with that familiar environment and going to a new environment, whether, Mm -hmm. even if it's a green versus blue color. Well, the, yeah, I think the beginner's course thing was a pretty interesting one because the old videos, or what I'm now calling the classic course, uh, were more than 10 years old. Uh, they weren't super high resolution. When I looked at them on YouTube, I'm like, oh, man, like I can teach this better now. I, I understand how it works better. I've got better at this online education thing now. I, I, I've got to redo it. And so I spent the good part of a year redesigning the course. So I, I went through every YouTube video, every comment on the on the website and on the forum. I looked at everything that I could to figure out where people were having problems and what the issues were in their journey and rewrote the course and then had a massive debate as to whether I should do another free course, whether I should leave the course that was there as being the old one for free and then sell a new one. Uh, there was all sorts of ethical and, 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 you know, business quandaries as to what path I should take. I ended up deciding to keep it free and I have to, I've decided to keep the old course because all of my books and all of that stuff all relate to the old course. So I didn't want, I couldn't get rid of it. Hmm. But then I had this idea of learning the new course left, learning to play guitar left-handed using my new course Right. To test, to make sure that actually what I was assuming was going to work. And actually it's been the biggest learning experience for me, that process and (laughs) things that I thought were going to be really easy weren't. And I learned, you know, things like how much it hurts to learn to play guitar that I'd forgotten. That was (laughs) 35 years ago for me. And then I doing it again, I'm like, wow, I can't practice for 20 minutes because my fingers are on fire. This sucks, you know? So. Mm. And what I'm doing, I'm still in the throes of that. So right now, I'm I, actually this morning I was filming lesson ten. I filmed the first six kind of segments of lesson ten this morning, and I'm still practicing. So before that, I'd done my left-handed practice. I'm on day eight, lesson ten, pr- day eight, so the eighth practice session. So I always do at least six or seven practice sessions of that new lesson. Then I teach it because I've already figured out the stuff that's gone wrong, and then I start on the new lesson practicing. I've already sketched out and I think I know what I'm going to do, but I, I, I am changing it to reflect on what I'm learning myself. So it's a fascinating uh, experience. Well, I think I appreciate the left-handed guitar having a daughter who's 10 or 11 and left-handed and just got a guitar. Uh, and so she was playing ukulele and we got her a guitar because my oldest daughter's 15 plays guitar. And my, my youngest daughter was like, you know, I wanted to show her how to play an E chord and an E minor. Mm-hmm left-handed. And I was like, what in the hell? And I, I just have basically started learning, but I can play an E chord. I can play E minor. Thanks to your website. And I just couldn't figure it out. And I'm right. You know, it's like, this is my dominant hand, my right hand. Mm-hmm. Why won't it work? Mm. <laughs> What's going really on? So I can't, it is really difficult. And so I think this process of, you know, from a design standpoint, empathy for the user, it is kind of an interesting experiment for you to have empathy for that beginner user by becoming a beginner yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, I've always, I've always been a beginner at stuff and I love being a beginner and doing new things. And I like to think that that helps me be a better teacher just generally because I'm always learning new things. I, I try and do at least one new course at Oxford University, do a, like an adult learner thing. So I'd, I pick off a course on philosophy or psychology or history or so, you know, just to 
continually enjoy the process of learning and experiencing that bewilderment of like, oh my, there's so much to learn. Where am I going to start? And that, you know, and I keep learning and, and feeling when I'm on a good course and I go, wow, this, they've explained this really well. And I like that incremental step. And I liked this being set this challenge to do before the next, you know, so I continually learn. Well, I like to learn new things. Yeah. I was just curious about that. The interesting idea of kind of learning through the body versus learning through the brain. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was kind of saying, I'm, I'm a really crappy right-handed person. I can't do much of anything with my right hand very well. Um, so how have you found that, you know, in terms of learning, there's an intellectual component, but there's definitely a body component too, right? And so I'm kind of curious about that and how that's been for you to to sort of learn to, you know, reconfigure your hand muscles, I guess, and arm muscles as well as your brain. Yeah. So it's not, I, I don't think I'm very good at left-handed anything. Like I can't write <laughs> left-handed or, or play tennis left-handed or anything like that. Uh, um, I think that the battle that I have with learning left-handed is purely a physical one because most of the other stuff that beginners have problems with like rhythm and understanding names of the notes on the neck, remembering the chord shapes, all of that stuff I know already. So even if mm. it's left-handed, I know exactly where my fingers should go and I understand the concept of rhythm and I can tap my foot and I don't have, you know, I've got a, a pretty solid intellectual grounding in that foot. So for me, it is pretty much a physical uh, challenge more than an, an intellectual one. The mm. left-handed guitar, I've got plenty of other intellectual challenges in life, but the guitar part isn't one. <laughs> I actually wanted to, you know, you talked about the journey to becoming a beginner. I wanted to relate a story to you about my, the first guitar I got a few years ago, cause I'm 50 now. I always thought it was hugely intimidating growing up. Um, I had friends who played guitar. I always imagined my fingers could never be long enough to play guitar. Cause everyone else is when I see these guitar players, I'm like, wow, they have really long fingers. So that was my break point. I can't do this because my fingers aren't long enough. We were just talking about other luminaries who have small hands. I, consider myself not having big enough hands. So I get, I finally say, I'm going to learn how to play guitar. I go to the guitar store to buy a used guitar. And the guy who was running the place, nice guy said, well, why don't you go over there and take a look at them and see which one you like? Now, I don't know how to play anything. <laughs> and so like this idea of like, okay, like, what do I do? I don't even know. I can hold it, but I can't even play anything. So I was like turned, there was no instruction. There was no guidance. I actually wrote a blog about it. There was no assistance. And I guess in some ways, it was nice to kind of let me have free range. But another way, for the beginner, this can be a hugely intimidating undertaking to say, I'm going to pick up this thing that icons have played and take it upon myself to become immersed in it. So for you, when designing the beginner's course, how do you approach that, not just the physical, technical parts of playing chords, but also the intimidation factor that people can have about trying to even get to the point of doing um, I guess always trying to be a beginner gave me a certain level of empathy as to the struggle and the feeling of frustration and not being able to do stuff. I think the new course and having experienced a lot of that, like the physical finger pain thing, you know, I talk about it in the course all the time because I, I've just experienced it often like half an hour before I filmed. I've just been like, oh my God, this really hurts. I don't, this is not fun. So I guess on, that's the main difference between the old course and the new course is that I'm super involved and aware of those kind of problems. It, I, right I think it'd through, be interesting you know. to see once you get the course up, how do people who are left-handed relate to it maybe differently than those who took the other course, because there's a certain vulnerability you're expressing by not being a master at it. 
Because if I take your course right now, you've been playing it for 35 years. Mm-hmm. You've done all this stuff. All the stuff you're showing, I was looking at your blues licks last night. Really, you're, you're, it's really facile. You're able to do it really mm-hmm. easily. The left-handed, you're not. So you're the beginner along with the beginners. And so I'm kind of curious, be kind of curious, interesting to see the feedback, if it's different or not, from the feedback you get. Well, you can, you can see it now. So it's live already. So the course is out. And I'm literally okay. just like one lesson ahead of what's released. So like <laughs> I'm, I'm filming lesson 10 now and I'm hoping to, I'll finish filming it probably tomorrow morning, edit it Wednesday afternoon, Thursday, put it out Friday. And then I, I also film all the left-handed practice. So you can actually go on the website and look up Nitsaj, oh, wow. which is my name backwards. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, every, every single practice session I've done since I very first time I touched a left-handed guitar is filmed and up on YouTube. So you can watch the entire journey from me, unable to play even the most basic chords, fumbling with the strumming, the whole thing. So I think there's a few layers to that for beginners. If they're doing my course and they're like, Hey man, I'm finding this really hard. They can flick over to the Nitsaj thing, click on it and go, Oh wow, look, here's a guy who's been playing guitar for nearly 40 years. Also really struggling. It's okay to struggle, you know, and that's Mm. part of that. uh, You know, it links back to that previous question about, understanding the struggle and the intimidation. Like I, I've just been there. I totally get it. What, what it feels like. Um, I, I just a, a, a thought on the, your, your previous statement about going to the guitar shop as well. Uh, you mentioned the, the feeling intimidated going into a store with all of these guitars and the guy just saying, we'll just go, why don't you start by going and have a look and picking one. And it's actually the best advice, and it's quite rare to have people like that. More often than not in a guitar store, the guy will come over with you and then play you all of the guitars without letting you touch them. So you Mm. get this kind of funny idea of what it might sound like because this guy might have played a bit or, you know, and he's going to be influencing your decision, you know, to a fairly high degree. And the, the guitar itself for me is the thing that, you're in contact with it. It wants to become part of you and your experience. The sound of the guitar is much more to do with the amplifier and effects and stuff like that. So the guitar has to be something that you love, that you like the look of, that you, that the one that your heroes played or whatever. That's should be the goal there. So actually the guy in that store was perfectly correct to say, just go over there and have a look because there's going to be budget things. If you've got like a budget of 10 grand, you can pick a, different level of guitar than the guy who's got a hundred bucks, you know? So, but within that, each of those price ranges, you need to find the one that is really appealing to you. That's the key thing. And I did, I got, I ended up getting one and I've been playing it. And, you know, with the pandemic, it seems that everyone is doing something. There's two Mm -hmm. things, people buying instruments and people buying bicycles to ride bikes. Bicycle shops are sold out uh, of bikes. And I think, Guitar places as well. Have you seen a big jump since the lockdown of people yeah. coming online? Yeah, triple. Really? It was already big. Yeah, yeah. I had to go crazy on my server. My server allowance and the amount of resources that I have to pay for on the server was triple. It, it, in fact, it might have even been more than triple for a little bit. It's coming. It's just, it's peaked and it's just starting to come down now. The curve is just starting to drop. But it was up to nearly a million unique visitors a month which is a crazy amount of stuff for a, you know, essentially a one man little website, you know, <laughs> is it still that, is it still like a one man little website or do you have like, do you have people now? I, I don't have people. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't have any uh, full-time people working for me like that. And I still work 
from a, I've got a recording studio where I film and record guitar stuff. Uh, from I still do a little bit of sessiony things, but I no, I do have help now. So I have, I don't know if it's interesting to, for me to go through, but I have a guy who helps with video rough cutting edits of the video. So I film all the stuff. I do the audio because I'm pretty fussy about it, and then I give it to an assistant called Adam. He'll then rough cut, especially if I filmed like 20 or 30 lessons in a day, he'll chop them up into the individual segments uh, and then and do a rough edit. He brings uh, that back, a hard drive back to the studio where I do the final edit and export. I live in the countryside, so after I finish the export, I put it onto another hard drive, which he'll then come and pick up. He comes once or twice a week to pick hard drives up. And he lives where there's proper fast internet, so I give him the files. He goes right. and uploads them from his place because it would take me forever. Um, I have a script writer, Yasmin, who lives in uh, Texas. So she'll, once the videos are uploaded, she'll watch the video and write down copy based off of the video. So using my kind of language, uh, whatever, she'll write uh, lesson, the, the actual lesson pages on the website. And I have had a social media helper who I'm, I'm not really using much at the moment. Um, yeah, I blow hot and cold on social media. And I have a, a, a people who develop an app with me, which is a kind of a revenue share thing. Uh, I had a shop until a few weeks ago, a, a, a shop that sold physical things, but it was getting too difficult to figure out. So uh, we just knocked that on the head and have moved back right. to only virtual things. But I think it's yeah. really interesting, actually, because one of the, you know, as reason why I reached out to you in the first place was when, you know, a lot of higher education, a lot of lower education, K through 12, as we say, went online. It's not easy to produce content for online education. And people often think, well, you just record a video, right? You just, you have, you have PowerPoint slides, just give the PowerPoint slides. Yeah, that can be done. But does it, is that quality? Is that engaging? I mean, the idea that you have, I mean, the whole Justin persona online, I'm even curious about the blanket you have in your videos and like how you made that decision about that blanket, because it is this <laughs> effect that cumulatively creates this yeah. kind of experience because you can go both ways. You can, you could sit there and prattle on for like, you know, 30 minutes on a lesson and that's going to probably miss the mark. But if it's too brief, it's going to be equally not as effective. So it's hard to create the online content. So I appreciate all the, the team you've assembled around it. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it, it, the, the team thing only started probably eight months ago. Before that, it was just me, pretty much. I did, I coded the website by hand. It was like Dreamweaver and, you know, hand coding. Uh, it wasn't even a CMS. I, I was scared of CMSs and, and the whole idea of like moving to WordPress or something it was like, no, no, no. If it's hard coded, no one can screw with it. No one can hack me. I can just do it, you know. So, uh, and I, I did all of the editing, all of the filming, all of, you know, the very early, the very early days I had a, a, a good friend of mine who did the video editing for the first beginners course called Jedi. Right. Um, but it, there was this funny to and fro there where, uh, we'd film it together. He would edit it, give me an edit. I'd watch the edit. I'd make notes about where I wanted a, a certain cut or a, a different graphic displayed, send it back to him. He'd then do the edit, send me back the video. I'd have to watch the video again. Maybe there'd be more tweaks or another, even a small one, and then it'd have to go back to him, fix it, and then back to me again. And then it would be, a, it was like, <laughs> this is crazy. Like, I can just do this. So, I, you know, I did a course on Final Cut editing and learned how to do it, and uh, it removed that whole, unfortunately, it kind of took his gig from him, which was a bit 
some ways I felt a bit bad about, but it sped up the process infinitely because it is normally fairly close quarters. Like I, I film and then I edit. I'll be editing the stuff I filmed today, either tonight or tomorrow. So I can kind of roughly remember like, oh, I struggled with that bit there and I did two or three takes of it. So I know I don't have to watch those first few takes of something. I'll just skip through them and get, cut straight to where I think it's going to be the right stuff. So, hmm. yeah. I mean, did you, so you find like that, that process as, as it's, I mean, it sounds like it works really well for you. And obviously like, cause your, your output is insane. Like the fact that you're, you're recording today, editing it and then putting it out the next day, um, is an incredibly fast turnaround for, for media production stuff. So that, that's, uh, I mean, that's, that's really great to think about too. So kind of how far ahead are you thinking? Cause you said that you, you might run six or seven practice sessions before you then record that, that session for the mm-hmm. video for the, the next day, for example. So kind of how far ahead are you thinking in terms of, you know, a chunk of lessons, uh, or, or kind of the, the, you know, a series that you're working on. It's, it's, it's only possible to work like this because it's, I've been planning it for a year. So I really, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it's, it, it, there was a lot of preparation that went into this. This isn't just like I sit down and make up stuff on the spot yeah. and then send it out. You know, uh, I don't script stuff. I don't, I, I can't be bothered with auto cues and scripting things. I just, it's, I just can't, <laughs> it mm-hmm. makes things too complicated. So, right. uh, the process is I do a, a, a kind of a master plan. Right now I'm in the middle of grade two uh, of the beginner course, the second stage of it. Uh, and I've written, I've finished doing it up to the end of grade three. Uh, so I've got a plan of roughly how many lessons there'll be in each stage, roughly what's going to be in it, what chords will get introduced there, what rhythms will get introduced there, what songs fit with what lessons to do with what chords. And that's actually the biggest and most time-consuming part of the whole thing, was just figuring out, okay, I'm doing an F chord this week. What are great songs that use easy chords and F? Because I can't go full on and just use anything. So I I then have to do a lot of research into looking at different songs, how fast are the chord changes, how fast are the rhythms, what things do they know at this point in the course. So that's by far the most time-consuming bit, and that's the bit that I'm not sure people realize exists is that level of planning and sketchy i have these giant google worksheets where and sometimes i'll redo them multiple times i'll go i'm not feeling this this there's something about it's not right and i'll just scrap it and start again and replan the whole thing and think about you know trying to make the path weave in a in a more friendly way or a, a way that i think will be more effective or fun uh <laughs> and then it gets to the point where now i'm just going well i'm pretty sure this is going to work you know in, in with my experience i've Pretty sure this chord will be good here and this will be okay. But then the left-handed practice confirms whether I'm right or not. And I am still jigging things about. So uh, the chord that I'm working on this for this lesson is a, a G chord that only uses your third and fourth fingers, which are really weak. And right-handed, I can do it so easily that it was like, oh, yeah, they'll be able to do this. No worries. And it was originally really early on in this course. I was like, when I went to try it, the first I went, no, 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 no. This is, this is moving. This is, and I just had to shift the whole lot of the, the, you know, and of course it then changed some of the other orders of things around a little bit and I had to manipulate things. So, um, yeah, it, I think this, the, the, the planning stage is, I think if you're doing an online course is the thing that makes the difference because if you can see the end goal and you know kind of the learning outcome that you want from each thing, you can do stuff like I deliberately include exercises that I know will be beneficial for what's coming up the next week. Mm-hmm. So this week, we're, the, the, in lesson 10, we're doing hammer-ons. 
with the fingers where you play a note and then hammer another finger down because I know next week we're going to be doing chord ornaments. And if you can't do hammer-ons when we do that lesson, it's going to be real difficult and you won't be able to learn it and do it at the same time. So, And, again, that's only a planning thing. If I hadn't planned it properly, then I wouldn't be able to um, preempt any problems that they might have had. I think it's a it's a nice example of I mean one could do an online course where it's like basic you know guitar guidebook or whatever it is and chapter one chapter two chapter three versus what you're trying trying to talk about is redesigning reimagining the the experience in the course and and the lessons and how they flow together and I, you know that's where I'm always excited about this this environment to do course design and learning experience but it's also you know, somewhat horrifying and scary because you can do so much. You also have to think about what's the most effective thing to do. Given that you could do a lot, doesn't mean you should. How do we really focus in on what need we need to do and what's the best way of getting what's the most the best and the most straightforward way of getting that across? Oh, oh. oh sorry. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm, I told That's you okay. I was doing a podcast. Sorry. sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Can you take the dog? Sorry, Siggy. Oh, you have a dog? Yeah, this is. Oh, <laughs> so you can't oh, see. Okay. Hang on. Come and see. Okay. You wanna, oh, Siggy, don't tangle yourself up my headphones. Oh, no. oh sorry. <laughs> 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 oh, this is my dog. Is she, can you see her? Oh, yeah, see yeah, her yeah I can. Yeah. Oh, there, there we go. go. Oh, there we go. Hey. Hey. This is my Aww. dog. This is Ziggy. She's a Border Collie Poodle Cross. Sure. Wow. Um, yeah, she's a good girl. She's a beautiful Thank dog. You. Yeah, she's all right. She's a bit looks sweet. Hey? Is, is that make her a booty? Is that a? Is that? A... Oh, I don't know that. I, 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 I don't know a border doodle. I suppose a border doodle. To call her some doodle. Sti- some silly name. Yeah. <laughs> well, now she's going to want to go out. Well, she can just wait here for a bit. She's got a bed here. She'll be all right. And no worries. Sorry, yeah, I no, did tell my missus that I was doing a podcast. But yeah, this is working from home. Are you kidding me? I'm I'm surprised that none of my kids have stormed downstairs demanding food. <laughs> I mean, this is this is how we're living right now, and I think yeah, that yeah. part of uh, Going back to that point about letting people into you know, your lives, the vulnerability, working from home has required that we all kind of put down pretenses and facades and say, this yeah. is who we are. This is what we're all going through. And we're all in it together. Mm. Makes yeah. all the sense in the world. Interesting. I, I like, um, I'm a big fan of that singer, Cheryl Crow. And uh, yep. she's been doing a lot of video from her place during this lockdown thing. And it's so funny to see the kids her children taking the mickey out of her, which you just, I don't, I, I, I don't know that for me, people like her or know, Keith Richards or something, I can't imagine anyone making fun of them, but of course their kids can, you know, like if anyone can, it'll be the kids, you know. Mm-hmm. That actually makes me think of something, I, you know, to ask you a little bit and, you know, the point at which you become a public figure based on your online work and mm-hmm. people, you know, I was, I was reading through some of your stuff, you know, doing research for this. And someone said to you, like, while they were shopping for hummus, this was in an interview you gave, you know, oh, you're Justin Guitar. I'm a fan of your work. You know, there's a point where, you know, Justin, you know, Sandra Coe becomes Justin Guitar. What, you know, what mm-hmm. was that like? Mm, weird, I suppose. It, I mean, I still find it <laughs> weird. I, I've, I've got used to it a bit to a certain extent, although it's still surprising, uh, I'm not like, I don't know, Mick Jagger or some, you know, big celebrity that everybody knows when you walk down the road. So it's only a little niche of people who would know who I am. And it's kind of nice to be recognized within that. 
it can sometimes be awkward. You know, uh, I, I think I've told this story before, but I had, I was having dinner with my partner in a uh, little, you know, nice restaurant and they bought out steak and it was the, the, I need to tell that story again. Sorry. So we, I go out for dinner with my missus in, to a restaurant. We have a look at the menu. We're thinking about eating steak, but, uh, the missus asks uh, where the beef is from and it's all American. And we didn't want this kind of, there's a lot of stories we get over here about the uh, animals in America being full of hormones and antibiotics mm. and stuff like that. And we're like, well, look, we live in England. I'm sure, why isn't there some Scottish beef or English beef? And the, the waiter was a little bit rude. And so she ended up having a bit of a, you know, giving them a bit of full. And we just like, okay, we're not eating here. Let's go somewhere else. And we stand up to leave and the guy behind us goes, well, I'm really sorry to interrupt, Justin, but I'm a really big fan of the site. And I'm just like, oh, my God, like <laughs> I've just been moaning in this restaurant of this waiter about, you know, where the beef's from. Like it just felt really awkward, you know, and uh, like I don't mind the the guy saying hi, you know, and it's nice of him to want to say hi. But in those kind of feelings, it's just like, oh, it's, it's almost like I, I'm not expecting it there. You know, like if, mm. if I go to a guitar show, I'm expecting people to go, "Hey, man, how you doing?" I did this lesson or whatever, you know. But in a in that kind of environment, it's just a bit odd. Yeah, I can imagine, and you know that the the we don't I don't have to deal with this. Neither does Adam, nor likely no. will we ever have to deal with this. At the one hand, you kind of want to be recognized and known. On the other hand, you want to be able to complain about beef. <laughs> Yeah, right. Basically, it's too much to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. too much to ask to be able just to complain about my beef and you know leave without someone saying, "Wow, I just saw Justin, you know, in, in a place and he was a real a hole." Yeah, you know? exactly. I, I mean, I, 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 I don't think I was. I think I handled it all right, you know. But it was, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just a, it's just a bit weird when that sort of thing happens, and it, it's not. I definitely don't mind, and it's really nice to meet people because it's all virtual. It's really nice when you make a, a contact with someone. Even on social media, at, at, at some levels, it's kind of cool to be able to have a an interaction with a human being. That because I don't see the people, and that that is a right. little bit weird. Uh, I do these workshops uh, uh, mostly in Italy, but around the world, where I don't know, twelve to twenty four people will come together, and we'll do. We normally work with a band, and we'll all play the same song, and they're usually residential. It's kind of a nice time. And a lot of those people, the first time I meet them on those things, are like, oh, this is just really weird because I know you really well. You, you share mm. stuff on your social media, so I know that you have a veggie garden. I know you've got a daughter. I know you've got a dog. I, you know, you'd like these things. You enjoy this music. You've done that. But I don't know them at all, at all. Mm. I don't know what their name is. I don't know where they're from or what they do, <laughs> what they like, what they don't like. So it's a very, very lopsided relationship when I meet someone like that for the first time. You know. Mm. And one of the things I, I record, I read up that you said, I'm curious about, you said, because I teach so much on the internet, I don't get to see people improve. I mean, for, for a professor, for an instructor, that's part of the, the, the juice from it, right? Is that you mm -hmm. see people grow and improve and master and develop ideas and change people. You know, what is that like to kind of, given that you used to teach in person, now you do sparingly or in certain yeah. situations, was that a big loss for you? Hmm. I haven't thought about it for a long time. Uh, I get, I guess, I, I, I definitely there was a degree of satisfaction that I got from watching people improve and having a, you know, if somebody was coming for a lesson every week or every couple of weeks or whatever, uh, or when I taught at the music schools and you'd see a, 
children in a class, or children mostly teenagers or later, uh, will get better. But I don't. I yeah, I haven't really thought about that online. I, I I have enough people say that they've improved. I guess on in emails and socials and whatever that that. I hope that they're improving. <laughs> I guess I have to just go like, well, they've stuck with the course this far, then I guess they're still going all right, you know, that they're they're learning. But well, that's a good thing about beginners, yeah. they can't get any worse, right? I mean, if you're coming if they're coming in from zero, you're not gonna yeah. make them less than zero. If they can only <laughs> go up. But you could make them quit, which would be the worst one, you know. That's true. true. So how do you, how do you, um, that's an interesting question I want, I want to tag on to is, is how do you, uh, you know, or for you, what, what are some of the best ways to, that you found that are, are more satisfying ways to interact with, uh, with students, with, with users, learners, you know, whatever kind of term you use, you know, whether it's on YouTube platform through comments or is it forums on your website, you know, what are, what are some of the ways that you find that's like that interactivity, uh, feels, feels good or feels that you're actually connecting with people? Mm, my favorite ones are probably the, the, face-to-face meet-up thing. So like hmm. the, the workshops yeah. that I do are probably my favorite. And as well, because I'm with each group for usually a week, I get to know them a little bit. So it's, it, they become friends and many of them are, are coming year after year. So that's, you know, I build relationships with them and you can watch, you can see them year on year getting better and getting more confident playing with the band and blah, blah, blah. Um, we've got a really strong community forum. So uh, that's been running for as long as the very first website, so 2003, 17 years, I guess, that the wow. forum's been running. Uh, and that's got a real good community feel. A lot of the guys that have been there right. that whole time and uh, really helpful on their journeys have grown, obviously. And, uh, yeah, so that's a nice way. I, I feel a bit bad that I'm not there very often anymore just because I've got so many plates spinning these days that to, to have a, a, a solid block to go and hang out on the forum is just so rare and I, I i feel bad about that i've got my own forum that i'm hardly ever at but, um, <laughs> but the community there is so strong it's, it's like i facilitated a community to exist which is autonomous essentially mm. um uh if i find myself with more time at some point in a future life i'll probably go back and hang out there more but uh yeah i used to spend a lot of time there these days, it's mostly comments on the website. So I use this platform called Discuss, which is a commenting mm. platform, and I have a Discuss thread on each lesson. So at the moment, I mainly the comments that I will come in contact with are the ones on the courses that I'm working on. So uh, at least once a week, I, I pick one or two of the lessons on the beginner course, and I go through and I check every comment, and I try and answer every single uh, question that anyone's had on on that course. And the same on the the one paid area of my site is this music theory course. So I do the same thing and and I try and answer all of the questions on there. There's too many questions for me to be able to stay on top of it. That's just not possible. Mm. Um, On YouTube, again, it's impossible to try and keep up with all of the comments there because I don't know how many there are in a day, uh, 500 probably or more. So that's just impossible. But Again, when I release a new video, I tend to release the video and then stick around for at least an hour to answer any of the immediate questions, partly to make sure that I've uploaded the right stuff um, <laughs> and, 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 and to make sure that I haven't left any bits in because there was a, uh, an incident a couple of years ago where I did, I hadn't edited it or checked it properly between edits and I'd left in 
like a section where I mucked it up and it was full of some really, <laughs> some really choice language. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I released the video and then I, I checked in on the comments or whatever. And it's like, dude, I think you need to pull this one down. I'm like, dude. you know, I'm like, I looked at it, I'm like, oh my God. You know? yeah. um, and I, I literally, it was only for, I don't know, three seconds or four seconds, but I'd played this thing and done it wrong and then cursed out myself, paid out on myself and then, and then just kept going, and I just missed that little edit, you know. And uh, mm. I, th- I think it's a new stream of stuff. Is Justin bloopers, right? We can. There, yeah. We've got a blooper. There's a, there is a blooper reel which ca- <laughs> it came out on my ten year anniversary. The the guy Jed who used to do the video editing made a, a blooper reel, um, but it was just beeps. Basically, it was just like a whole know, four <laughs> four minutes of bleeps with the occasional word in there. Um, I didn't feel comfortable releasing the whole thing in, you know. <laughs> and it, uh, un- unbleeped out or whatever. Yeah. No, that, that, that's fair. Um, one thing I'm actually, well, I have two, two questions. One is as, as a gear nerd, I'd love to kind of hear about the kit that you use for when you're using filming and, and the kind of the microphones and camera stuff that you're using to film your, your set. Um, cause okay. you get, you get, you get great sounds. So I'd love to hear a bit about what you're using and like how that's changed over time. If you began with, I doubt you began with the Shure SM58 maybe, and you know, kind of what you're using now, um, with shotgun mics or whatever else. Yeah, so we started out, um, what was it? The very first ones were just the mic in the camera, right? Mm, so all idea. of the, like for the first three or four years was just the mics in the camera, and which is looking back absolutely ridiculous because I, I had a recording studio. Like I've had a recording studio <laughs> my whole life, and I, we just used to film like that, and I'd just give the stuff to Jed and off he'd go and edit it, and I never, I, di- I didn't even think about the idea of bringing the audio into pro tools and, and fixing it up. I, I just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> what wasn't I thinking? Like, what is wrong with you? Why didn't you click on that? Right. Um, and I, 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 I do know the answer to this anyway, which I'll talk about in a second, but I eventually graduated to a, a, like a prosumer camera. I think it was called an XA20, Canon XA20, which had uh, XLR inputs. So mm. at that point I was able to run a microphone, in front of a guitar amplifier would go into one side and a lapel mic would go into the other side. So I'd kind of upgraded my sound. But interestingly, again, I never did anything with the sound. They were both just panned mono. <laughs> I didn't treat them. I didn't affect them. I didn't do anything. So it was just like, <laughs> that was that was it, you know. And the, But the reason was because I was already struggling with the editing. And I was like, mm. I wasn't really sure whether I should edit the audio first. And then I was like, or do I edit the video and then export the audio after the video is edited and then edit the audio and then re-import the audio? And it was just seemed like, I don't have time for this. Like, I don't have time to edit the videos as it is. Like, I'm just going to put it out, you know. Yeah. And then <clears throat> there was a period, uh, I think it was probably four years ago or five years ago, and I went to another friend's house who was doing YouTube videos and he recorded directly into uh, Logic Audio. Hmm. And I was like, yeah, like you just record into the computer at the same time as filming and then you treat the audio just unedited, you fix it up, make it sound as good as you can, export it, and then when you import the video into Final Cut Pro, you import that same audio and there's a button in there, synchronize the audio and the video, boom, <laughs> done. I'm like, 
I can't believe it was so easy and I avoided it for so long, anticipating it was going to be difficult to chop through all of these things at the same time and make sure it was all aligned. And I was just scared that that, that it wasn't going to happen. Mm. Uh, so luckily, yeah, I got, uh, uh, I, I got kind of clued up on that and then I spent maybe a few months experimenting with what, what system was going to work best uh, and now I've set, I, I moved, I, at that time I was still working in Pro Tools, uh, but I've since switched to Logic Audio. So the current setup is I have a, uh, a DPA microphone, uh, which is like a lapel microphone, but it's hidden in my hat. It's one of the reasons why I wear a hat all oh, the time. It's got, that's why. Like, like I'm, I'm losing my hair a little bit, but I really don't care. Uh, not enough to wear a hat all the time, but the the, <laughs> the reason that I wear, have the hat on is that the the microphone moves with my head because I found when I had a lapel mic, if I looked down at my picking hand, it got really loud and boomy, and then if I looked over at my fretting hand, it got quieter and and because ah, they're quite directional. Hmm. Whereas if the mic's in my hat, it stays perfectly in the same place relative to my mouth all the time, so the audio stays even. So that was a, a, a kind of an important part of my sound improvement was that. That, that actually sense. Uh, my, my mind's blown right now because I was going to ask you with the blanket, I was going to ask you about the hat. Yeah. And that's where the hat comes from. Yeah. Well, that, wow. okay. So the blanket <laughs> diversion, the blanket comes from, um, I used to, like I quite regularly have a little break after lunch. So usually I meditate after I've had my lunch, I have like a half an hour meditation and then uh, I'll often have a half an hour, half an hour to 40 minutes sleep. In, in the studio where I'm Good at. for you. Know? you. And but it's like, I, I, dude, I get up at like six every day for yeah. my daughter and I go to bed late. So like if I don't have a sleep, a nap in the afternoon, I'm yeah. you know, Amen. nothing wrong Amen. with that. So um, uh, we were away in, I think I can even remember it. We were in Chichester on the South Coast with the, with the missus and she found this blanket and I was like, that's a cool looking blanket. I'm going to get one of those as well for the studio. This <laughs> nice to like a, it's not cashmere, I can't remember, merino wool or something. Some, nice soft wool blanket. So I bought the blanket and uh, I just used to tuck it over the edge of my sofa when I was doing the videos because that was where I had my kit was on the sofa. But the fun part of it and where it became a thing was that the so, the sofa that I was filming on belonged to the fashion designer Kath Kidson. I don't know if she's famous in America or not, but she's mm. huge over here. Um, she designs like women's clothesline and handbags and all this sort of stuff extremely successful, wealthy woman. And she owned this sofa. Her husband was the record producer, Hugh Padgham, who produced all the, the police records and Crowded House and all of these wow. bands. It was his recording studio that I rented a room and I had nicked his sofa for my room and that's where <laughs> I filmed it. But then I got an email from Hugh once. He said, hey, Justin, Kath wants her sofa back. And I'm like, uh, you can't have the sofa back. That's like it's become a thing in my videos, man. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, you know, everyone loves my wrinkled old leather sofa. Like you can't have it right. back. And he's like, well, look, actually, it's a really expensive, uh, ra very rare, custom-made Italian sofa from from the fifties. Like she's having it back. We're putting it in one of our houses, you know, because they have a few houses. And I was a bit sore about it. I'm like, guys, you can afford to buy any sofa in the whole universe. You could, you know. And yeah, but she was adamant that she wanted a sofa back, so she got the sofa back. And I had to buy a new sofa. And I'm like, well, I didn't want to ruin the whole thing and jar everyone with suddenly my old leather sofa's gone and I've suddenly got this new sofa. 
So that's where the blanket became a thing because the blanket stayed. And while mm. when the old sofa went, the blanket stayed and it kind of, I think it added a certain level of continuity there through the change of sofa, even though there was a, an, a major outpouring of global grief over the change of sofa. Right. Um, but at least the blanket stayed. And, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, and, and then it became a thing because the blanket was already there and people noticed that I'd kept the blanket and then every time I moved studio and had a new sofa, the blanket stayed. So that's blanket story. Well, there's a word, there's a, there's a phrase for this. It's called a transitional object. And with children <laughs> and the child, childhood development, right? If you're moving places, children often need like a blanket or a stuffed animal or something they can carry with them that helps them move from one environment to another. So your blanket is your transitional object for your viewers all over go. the world. I think I'm going to have to write transitional object on the blanket now. <laughs> 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 that's, that's, it's beautiful. I knew, um, I knew there had to be yeah. a story with that blanket. I knew it. So there's, there's the blanket story. <laughs> so, uh, so I have a lapel mic and uh, in my hat uh, a few, maybe six months ago or less, um, I added another microphone, a Sennheiser microphone. Uh, it's a shotgun mic. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember the model number. It's like the, the film production industry standard microphone mm. um it's and and it it adds a bit of life to the whole thing so uh all of the audio now is a mixture of those two channels i pan them ever so slightly left and right uh and i, I anyone who else who's going to get into doing that you need to be careful of phasing so you need to make sure that you've got a phase reverse button in your editing software to check that you're not out of phase because if you're out of phase all of the bottom end disappears and it sounds really weird um so that's what takes care of the the voice the guitars go through a thing called the Kemper Profiler, which is like a, a guitar amp simulator. And I use that for both electric and acoustic guitar. I've got a particular setting that I've oh, set cool. up for acoustic guitar as well. So that all gets recorded into Logic Audio. Uh, something that I spent a lot of time with late last year was the signal chain within Logic Audio. Um, so there's a few plugins that I use that I, I think are amazing. Uh, I use the Universal Audio 11, uh, 1073 plugin, which is a copy of a Neve preamp, which weirdly I actually have two 1073 preamps in the studio, but it's mm. so much hassle to turn it on, heat it up, get it all working all the time that it's just easier to use a plugin and the settings stay the same, blah, blah, blah. Um, the Fab Filter DSer and the Limiter are incredible tools that are on absolutely everything I do. Uh, and as well, the same company make a thing called a – no, sorry, it's not the same company. Ozone make a thing mm, called yeah. a spectral denoiser, which is uh, unbelievably good. Like I, my studio assistant uh, said, oh, man, this is all noisy. You should just get this thing, this denoiser. It'll take it all away. <laughs> and I'm like, really? Like, And I, I downloaded the demo, and you literally you, – you record silence in your room for, I don't know, a second, a couple of seconds, and you tell it to sample that silence and it listens to it and then gets rid of that for all of the rest of the recording. So in wow. my room, there's things like hard drive noise uh, and, and, you know, just any ambient noise that's around, it gets rid of it completely. And I just, I can't believe how genius that plugin is. And so that's, uh, yeah, between those, having that little string of plugins on on the, particularly the ambient mic, the, the uh, shotgun mic, unbelievable difference to the overall sound. 
Um, and then I use a couple of a uh, couple more universal audio plugins on the mix bus. So like all of that gets mixed down into uh, a stereo pair, which is the Shadow Hills mastering uh, compressor, which again just squashes the sound down a little bit. I have a the Fab filter limiter on that, and then a Studer A80 A80 800. I can't remember the Studer stereo plugin, which is just a, a sonic enhancer kind of thing. But that so there's a bit of yeah. It's not just plug and play anymore. Right, right. <laughs> yes. Certainly not. Warning to listeners, right? It's it's not just. Yeah, I'm really sorry. <laughs> yeah, for any of you guys that are, I'm sorry if I've gone way overboard on techie stuff there, but I figured there might be people who want to know about that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think I think it juxtaposes to the um, the YouTube content out there about, you know, learning how to play songs that looks like a cross between public access and a hostage video. Because the lighting's <laughs> off, the sounds weird, and the person is like mumbling. You know, it's mm. and, you know somewhere in between what you're doing, which is you know pro level amazing stuff, into like you know I'm gonna sit in my room and strum and put something up there. Uh-huh. I mean, the democratizing of content has allowed for a range of people to enter into it. Sometimes with good results, sometimes not so good. And so sometimes I, it can give the people the impression as we talked about, well, this is easy. All you got to do is just sit in front you know, a camera with your guitar, show, you know, maybe set up two guitars, get like a GoPro and, and just put it mm-hmm. up there. You're like, just cause it I looks mean, easy. You can, if, if you, if the stuff's really good, you can do that. So like if you're yeah. delivering really well, you can do that. But the, I think the part of the process there is, because I have done that. Like my my early right. videos are that. You know, it's a, it's a, a camera and, and the built-in mics and, and off we went. Yeah. Uh, but I learned a lot in that process. And I think that if somebody was had like years of presenting skills and years of teaching skills, they could probably get away with having a, a you know, not all of the mm. frills and still deliver content that was engaging and fun and, and everything else. But most likely in the process of learning and developing that skill set, you're also going to learn about audio and all of those things because you're going to hear like, hey, man, I, I could lift my game here on this area. So you're going to put some time and effort into studying something else. Right. So it's kind of, for the most part, I think that people who are into it will learn more about developing the sound and the lights. And, you know, that that was a, another huge step up for me was the change in uh, the change in quality for video for me, which happened in, November last year, uh, I had a, a friend who came, uh, who who makes feature films and stuff, and, and advised what new cameras I should get, what lenses I should get. He came and set it up. He's positioned my lights for me. He showed me how it all worked, how to do those settings. He showed me how to color grade my video and stuff like that, which I'd never paid attention to before. But hmm. now I've got into the flow of it. It's actually really super fast because I've got presets for everything that I like, and I can just right. blow it together. But that stuff takes experimenting time. You need time where I, I've spent a whole day mucking around with color grading to find the one mm. that I like and how it works, you know? So yeah. Anyway. Well, it, I was on a somewhat related track. I was watching your interview this morning with Steve. I, and uh-huh. I, you know, well, number yeah. one, I can't, the image of Steve. I, I have in my head is still from the movie crossroads when he's like the devil's guitar player. against <laughs> yeah. Ralph Macchio. Right? Amazing. I mean, that, 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 that scene. Great. I mean, it's a great scene, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's, I think it's Ry Cooter playing, you know, Ralph Macchio's part yeah. in the SD Vi. So it was an interesting interview with him because he talked about his approach to practicing, being very methodical, very structured, very organized. And there's so much stuff out there right now. I, I can go look at one of your, your 
you know, videos on YouTube or download your app. I can look at someone else on YouTube. I can say, oh, I want to learn that guitar, that song. I'll go to ultimate, you know, guitar tabs and pull that up or I'll get some tab books. There's so much stuff. Mm-hmm. One of the challenges I'm having is how to structure it, right? How do, you know, do you just kind of ad hoc a la carte pick and choose? Um, or is there a, a value to say, no, you should actually have some structure around how you integrate all of these different materials that are out there so you don't get lost in 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 the mess of it. I'm just kind of curious your thoughts on all of that so, as, a, as an instructor. So I try to keep I, I try to get people off YouTube and onto my website uh, for a whole bunch of different reasons. The predominant one isn't about hogging them. It's about giving them focus for learning the stuff that they're supposed to be doing. Right. Marketeers, and I, I studied, spent a couple of years ago, I spent a good few months studying how marketing works and how the power of persuasion and the, sorry, the power of influence. And uh, right. I read all, all of the, the, the great texts that I could find, the Caldini book, Chomsky, the whole thing about how influence works, how marketeers use techniques on us to engage us and to distract us and all of that sort of stuff. And They've really refined it. Like the internet has allowed them to really narrow down how to get our attention and how to distract us from things that we should be doing. And I found on YouTube that people would watch my video and at the end of my video would up pop a video, you know, this uh, montage of all the different videos. And some of them would be so well crafted thumbnails, either a really hot girl, uh, you know, playing guitar, which is for, a teenage boys probably like, oh, my hot girl playing guitar, click on that. Right. They, they're supposed to be practicing their D chord right now, but they've seen this <laughs> image and they're like, wow, big boobs and a guitar, click. Or, right. or, or those clickbaity titles, I don't know, five things you didn't know about this or, uh, you know, uh, 10 ways that you can improve your guitar playing in five seconds or whatever, you know, right. these kind of empty promises most of the time and these very clicky, sticky titles. And I was getting feedback from people saying like, you know, I'm, I'm learning with you on YouTube. I keep getting distracted. I keep finding, you know, I keep running off. And, and right. the stats show it as well, that, that it was not a good way for people to stay focused on what they should be doing with all of these distractions around. So part of the game for me was like, I want to encourage you to leave YouTube, which is disappointing because that's kind of where I, I where my grounding comes from or whatever. But when they're on the site, I've removed all of that. I've taken away the ads. I've taken away the clickbaity titles, even on my own videos, because I had to start competing with that because I resisted it for so long. I just went, no, look, this scale is about learning how to play the C major scale, so I'm going to call it C major scale in the opposition. That's what the video is called. But then some other dude would make a video and call it the one scale all beginners need to know. (laughs) <laughs> you know and then a picture of a girl with big boobs or something you know right and right. that video is going to get a million times more clicks than mine so it got to the point where it's like i can't keep ignoring this and not getting in i can't not engage with this because it just it's going to kill my channel so and i experimented with it i had a, a, a wow of a time uh early last year making the same videos with different thumbnails and different titles just to see what would happen and which ones would get more clicks and it was unbelievable the difference between the video with actually what it was called and some clickbaity title or whatever on the video it was like times 20 times 30 views by by, <laughs> right. by editing the video up nicely and having a wow. thumbnail that was interesting and engaging and so it, it it was a real 
oh man, I'm going to have to engage with this stuff now. And, and I, I didn't even get involved with it still until the last few months. I was like, okay, all in, I've, I've given up. I'm going to have to fully engage with this stuff. And right. it really does make a difference. So, but again, on my website, you don't see that. And the way that I treat it now is that if you're going to watch my videos and you want to stay on YouTube, I need to hook you in with that clickbait and I need to engage you and you're that type of person that I need to engage with you that way. If you've, if you've bought in, if you're like, I like the way this guy teaches guitar, I want him to be my teacher, then you head over to the website and all of that stuff's gone. There's no clickbaity titles, no dodgy thumbnails, all of that stuff is unnecessary there. So that's Have you, I, have you thought yeah. about wearing a, a low-cut strappy number? Yeah, video? yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't work out. <laughs> didn't work out. <laughs> At least you tried it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you exactly. got to try. Yeah, you got to try. But I, I think that you know, I think one of the things you hit on there was just really important. Do I want him to be my teacher? And so uh, much of learning how to play an instrument, learning karate, learning whatever it is, taking a sociology class, Adams an anthropologist. It's an identification with a teacher as a guide, as a mentor. Mm-hmm. versus just, you know, a la carte grabbing stuff from around. And there is this identification with and commitment to this individual who is guiding me. I think that's fairly significant, right? And that can be really lost when people are just out there pulling whatever they can without having a home, without having a intellectual instructional home. And I think that's what you've been trying to build is not just guitar instruction, but a home for people to belong to who are, who are on this journey. Yeah. I mean, it's a... You've just raised about a, a thousand points in that in that one little uh, talk because there are so many aspects of that. With yeah, I'd love to give people a home. I'd, I, I like people to relate to me. I have to be relatable. I want to be relatable. I only film when I'm in a good mood. If I'm in a shitty mood, I don't I don't film because mm. you know I want people to feel happy and engaged when they're I- I- doing a class with me. But everyone does like different things, and I can't. I don't like everyone I meet, so it would be preposterous for me to expect everyone who sees me or to like me. I'm sure there are lots of people who really don't like me, who think that I'm an Including idiot. Including the waitress with the beef probably doesn't yeah, like you. Yeah, prob- probably the waitress with the beef. <laughs> uh, and and that's okay. I'm I'm cool with that. And it's the probably the biggest flaw I see with my site is that I am one guy. And if you don't get on with me, that's it. That's the end. you're going to go somewhere else. Whereas some of the other sites that have got 20 or 30 teachers, you can pick which one of those people is going to be the one that you engage with. I think the problem with that is that most of those teachers might have different methodology and different perspectives on stuff. So you might end up with conflicting information and there are other issues with that that uh, are avoided by having just one teacher. But it's definitely something I'm aware of. Uh, Quite recently, we come up this thing as well about how I relate to students, which has only really come up in the, uh, the, the explosion of Black Lives Matter uh, awareness. And I fully support Black Lives Matter, and I've been a little bit vocal on it on my socials, but I got a massive backlash from it again. To say, you know, I had mm. a few years ago uh, a couple of comments about gun control. Uh, mm. you know, in, in Tasmania, we had a massacre in 1996, and... Uh, the, the Prime Minister of Australia said, right, no more guns. And everyone went, yeah, yeah, fair enough. I remember that. <laughs> and, I do remember yeah, that. Yeah, it, it was in my hometown. I was. I woke up. I was. Wow. I just moved to England. I woke up, saw on the news there had been a massacre in Tasmania. I was like, oh, my God, is my family okay? Like, you know, that was hmm. 
it's a small enough place that that could have been. I was lucky I didn't know anyone involved. Uh, so it was uh, good. But, it, you know, it was a really interesting flip that it, it was literally everyone I knew had guns of some sort. It was pre- pretty rural upbringing and everyone had guns on their farms and all of your semi-autos and all of that stuff, everyone just literally went to the gun shop and gave them to the shop. And we've not had a massacre since. It was a really interesting mm-hmm. thing. And I, I put something about that on Facebook or whatever. And the anger was unbelievable for you know only americans i don't mean to, i'm not trying to have a go at anyone who's but it was really like you know i'd loaded death threats and all sorts of stuff it was really really heavy wow and then with this black lives matter thing the same thing happened the amount of that you know all i did was post a black square on my facebook page but there was a lot of people really angry you know all lives matter don't you know that you know and i just it gets to, it's this funny thing. It's like, no, yes, we all know all lives matter. That's like, we all know that. But some people don't know that black lives matter. Right. That's yeah. why it's important <laughs> right now. That's the only, like, we all know that all lives matter. Everybody knows that. But there are still some people who don't realize that black lives matter. And that's why that is important to discuss at this right. point. It's, I don't see it as political. I, I'm very left leaning, but that's, it's neither here nor there. And I do try and keep politics out of my, my guitar lesson stuff because I'd like it f- to be an escape for everyone, no matter what politics you like. But things like that were just like, man, that's not, this isn't political. This is just being human. And if you really can't get with that, actually, I don't want to teach you. <laughs> I don't want to teach you. <laughs> I don't want to give you free guitar lessons if you can't get with that. And, and right. so it's this really, for the very first time, I started going, who do I want to teach? It's not just about the relationship of do they like me? I want to be this likable guy that everyone wants to learn guitar with. I was like, well, you know what? There are actually some people who I don't care if you don't like me and I don't want to teach you, <laughs> which is a really interesting realization for the, you know, to have happened after doing this stuff for nearly 20 years. Hmm. No, I mean, it's, it, it's like an, it's an incredible empowerment also, right? Cause it's kind of saying, you know, it's about staking your claim too, right? It's like about wanting to be the, the, the teacher, to those that are willing to also be human, right? <laughs> in in yeah. the simplest sense, you know. Yeah, it's it's very, yeah, it's interesting times. It is. Sorry, yeah, to have yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah. I hope you. I hope you don't see that as political and like, oh no, he's just ruined our podcast. Going off no, on this great, politics. Great. <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding me? I teach sociology for a living. I mean, that's you know, <laughs> yeah. I have PowerPoint slides on this stuff, and I think it's 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 interesting to see how when people that the. the the tenuous nature of identity in space, right? And, you know, very often we can be exist in social groups and people will not talk about politics, they'll not talk about anything until someone brings something up and then you can feel it, right? You can feel people just start to get really uncomfortable. Mm. But at the same time, it's that uncomfortableness and it's seeding to that uncomfortableness that maintains a status quo, which results in generations of, you know, systemic inequality, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's, I think what we're dealing with right now is like, you know, we have to deal with the uncomfortableness, even though, yes, I want to go to Justin guitar website and learn how to play guitar. I don't mind sitting there playing the, you know, the a pentatonic scale because I'm not thinking about anything else, but at the same time, I can't escape from the reality that exists. And we have to think about that too. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, all the guys that play that a pentatonic scale, you know, African-American. And so you Mm got to know that too. And, and what we're ta- what we're arguing about right now, they lived through. 
And so, you know, there's ways of connecting it back and saying, if you're about the apentatonic scale, you also got to be about Black Lives Matter because it's mm. all related to the same kind of thing. Yeah, it's really interesting times. Very much so. So given that, um, like what's, what's next for the Justin Guitar website beyond the justinpolitical.com? We yes, now know justinpolitics.com. Yeah. You're just going to get folk songs? Is like the whole folk song thing that you're going to be, you know, singing yeah. like you know, Pete Seeger songs and all that? Is gonna be the next? Well, Woody Guthrie, yeah. Woody, Woody Guthrie yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, that, yeah, I think the rest of this year is going to be still the beginner thing, being the, the time that it takes to – uh, do the left-handed practice film edit the stuff. It's roughly every three weeks. So I think that takes me through to September, uh, by which point I'll start working on the third grade of the beginner stuff, which breaks down into acoustic blues and uh, what's the other one? Acoustic blues and rock, uh, which will take me through to Christmas. So I think that the rest of this year is pretty solid already. Um, we're working on a new version of my app, uh, which is this uh, – Basically, it's the same course that I teach online, but it gives you additional kind of guitar karaoke for beginners to play along with a backing track, mm. uh, which I think is the fastest way to learn guitar. Like in the old days, you would always do it with other people to be able to jam along with them or play with your friends. But a lot of people find that difficult for either time reasons or especially now in, with all the COVID stuff, that's not like go and hang out with your mates and jam guitar every day. Uh, so it's a fantastic tool for that. Uh, we've got a yeah, big redesign of that in development now uh and that's probably enough between you know parenting <laughs> and trying to keep fit and and run the studio and occasional sessions and write and practice and all the other things that i try to fit in um veg garden that's about it vegetable yeah. garden yeah well that's a lot and so given that we really do appreciate you taking the time to chat with mm. us about yeah. a journey of you know justin guitar online teaching and just everything else that came up yeah we had a few diversions, but hopefully, well, there, know, was, hopefully there was enough such as design life, right? related yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, life is life is a diversion that we try to rein in with order uh -huh. at the end of the day. Right. You well, know, our, so our, our, our secret thing is that we're both social scientists. And so we, we talk about design, but really it's the experience part. So it's the, it's your life story is, is actually the, is, is the experience, right? It's the experience. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We Perfect. just try to design around these things sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Thanks a lot, Justin. We appreciate okay, it. Guys. Thanks much. Lovely to chat to you. You as well. You too. Cheers. We want to thank Justin Sanderco of Justin Guitar for taking time out of his incredibly busy schedule to talk about online education, designing instructional content, and guitar playing. Now make sure you check out Justin at justinguitar.com as well as his great Justin Guitar app and Justin Guitar on his YouTube channel. Have you ever taken an online music class? If so, let us know what your experience was like. If you want to continue the conversation around music, online learning, or anything else related to this podcast or any other podcast, go to our Experience by Design LinkedIn page and contribute your thoughts and your ideas. And you can also communicate with us at feedback at experiencexdesign.com. That's experience with a letter X, design.com. We love to hear from you and we enjoy having your feedback. It lets us know what episodes and ideas we should focus on next. So keep it coming. And yeah, it's been great. We happen to, thanks for, thanks for taking your time to hang out with us during the pandemic as we all find ourselves with somewhat more time. And uh, podcasts are a great way on top of learning an instrument to uh, broaden your, your skill base and knowledge. So we'll see you next week, everybody. Bye.